Thanks for listening to the Headliners Podcast. New episodes are available every Thursday on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the podcast today. We are the Headliners. I'm Jared Huff, joined by James Krause and Kyle Mathis, and we're going to talk a lot of sports today. We have some NFL with some Cowboys and Bears. We have a little NBA with what's going on with the 76ers and potentially flirting with James Harden, the NBA restart. And then the Red Sox rehiring the manager they fired last year. So to start, the Cowboys are, well, they're not living the season we, uh, and I'm sure they expected to be having. They currently sit near the bottom of the NFC East, which is by and large the worst conference in football. It's, or I'm sorry, the worst division in football. Uh, at the top of the division, the Philadelphia Eagles sit at 3-4-1, and one, not even close to 500. Uh, Washington is uh, second at 2-5, and five, followed by Dallas half a game back at 2-6, and six, and then the Giants a game back from them at 1-7. and seven. Yeah, it's, it's the story of the Dallas Cowboys, it feels like, the last few years where you go in with high expectations. They're sort of like, I feel like, the the – the Packers in that way. And every year, because of the talent they end up amassing, you feel like, man, they should be a playoff team and like a Super Bowl contender. And last year, we f- it felt that way at the start of the year, and they didn't end up getting to the playoffs, I-, I think. And this year, I mean, from the start, they've looked sluggish. Then they lost Dak Prescott. Then they lost Andy Dalton. Um and there's a there's a lot of questions there with the Cowboys, and I think part of it starts with uh, uh, discipline on both sides of the management and the player side. Because um, as, as someone pointed out, you know, last year everyone on the player side pointed to Jason Garrett as the reason why this this team wasn't as good as they should be. Then they go on and they get Mike McCarthy, and we're a few weeks in, and it's the same thing. I so, think he's worse. I, I think in, in from some of the games I've watched of the Cowboys, his play calling uh, or his strategy has been really, really lackluster. Uh, or he's just trying to do stuff for the sake of doing stuff, and it's not working. Like, there were – in that Atlanta game, uh, Dak Prescott bailed him out of some really terrible – play calls obviously the the offense put themselves behind with fumbles in that game um but like he called a fake punt down 20 in the first and like no one talks about that because the cowboys eventually came back and won but he's done that a few times this year like just pull stuff out of his hat and be like this is going to help us and it's like this team's not good enough to be doing some of the stuff mike mccarthy's calling yeah um I think the Cowboys, you know, I think Mike McCarthy is a decent coach. I think his play calling is uh, questionable sometimes. Um, But they've just been plagued with injuries this season. It's been so unfortunate for them. And even just according to ESPN five hours ago, um, from when we're recording this right now, um, Ezekiel Elliott is being limited um, because because of a hamstring strain. So that's just another thing that the Cowboys have to deal with this season related to injury. And um, and just for the whole NFC East, I don't know. I it's pretty sad at this point that they're going to be able to host a playoff game, um, because 
they uh, it's almost like last year. Like the Eagles hosted a playoff game, and they had a they didn't have a good record, and they almost beat the Seahawks. But I think this year, um, whoever hosts that playoff game from the NFC East, it's it's really just going to be a blowout. Like whether it's the team from the NFC uh, West, like the 49ers or the Rams, um, or whether it's like a team like the Saints who might not win their division, they're just going to get blown out when that when it comes to that. And it just kind of makes me question the NFL playoffs sometimes. Like, um, like is a team like do they actually deserve to host a playoff game if they're that bad um so right i would take it a step farther and i would say do they even deserve to be in the playoffs at all um now i know not every year a division will be this bad um but i kind of look at like a league like for example the nba what they did a few years ago is they eliminated seeding by division championships um which i'm a big fan of because the best teams are get the top seeds and teams that don't deserve a, a seed. Cause in theory, and even in the NBA, an entire division uh, could miss the playoffs. So I just think the NFL should look into kind of changing how they do their playoff seeding. Because if you look at the NFC this year, there's a lot of good teams and you know, there's going to be a team or two that's definitely going to des- uh, deserve being in the playoffs. They're going to be left out. And I just think that's bad for the product of football because no one's going to want to see the Eagles in the playoffs with the state they're in or potentially Washington or Dallas. I'm sorry, Giants. I, I can't really validate throwing your name in the conversation at one and seven, but. I mean, you, why you... not though? Mm-hmm. Why not throw the Giants in at one and seven? <laughs> I mean, they're, they're two, they're, listen, they are two or three games back of the Eagles. It's so sad. Think of how sad and that that is. Like they are still there's they still have a chance, and I think that's why they've been absorbed from a lot of the the uh, hate that maybe, for instance, the Jets are getting because the Giants are probably playing just as bad, and they and they've had some bad luck also with injuries, uh, losing uh, Saquon Barkley earlier in the year. But no one's talking about them as a as a league worst team or even a conference worst team because they still have a playoff shot as long as no one really gets a grip in that division. Uh, the Eagles, I think they have a grip, but like the first few weeks of the season, Carson Wentz was playing terribly, and Doug Peterson wasn't a lot of help in terms of of his play calling. Um. Washington has a bunch of pieces, but I don't think they can put it all together. They've had issues with quarterback this year. Dwayne Haskins has been all over the map in terms of his play. The Giants, I mean, they don't really have a lot on either side of the ball, and yet somehow they were able to challenge the Bucks on Monday night. That was shocking. That was really shocking, and and – it probably says more about the Buccaneers than it does the Giants in that case. But, I mean, to go back to the playoff idea, I mean, I've been frustrated with the NFL this whole past year over how they're dealing with the playoffs just from the sake of uh, this week they said, hey, we might go to eight teams in the playoffs. They might just switch it up in the middle of the season. Um, And it goes back to something I've talked about in some of my columns where they're just kind of making it up as they go in the COVID era. Like, even with a seven-team playoff like they have now, 
no one's watching some of these seventh seed teams and thinking they're going to win a Super Bowl. Like in the AFC, the Browns, I think, can make the playoffs. There is not a chance in the world they win a Super Bowl, though. Like, and the same thing for a team we're going to talk about in a minute here, the Chicago Bears. And, and you could throw in the Miami Dolphins in that mix. And you can throw in, like, the Arizona Cardinals in that mix. Like, there's tons of teams, and I don't know if expanding the playoffs – I know I know why they're doing it. They're doing it because if they lose games later in the year, they want to make them up, and they want to make them up when they matter most in January and February. But, like – like you guys said, it's diluting a product a little bit. If you're going to have a bunch of teams in there that have no place being there. Yeah. I just wanted to say one more thing about the NFC East. Um, I think like, I honestly have no idea who's going to make the playoffs, but just looking at the Eagles uh, schedule for the rest of the season, some of their uh, out of like out of division games include the Browns, the Seahawks, um, the Packers, the Saints, Cardinals, I mean, those are teams that I really don't think that they could beat. So I think that um, whatever team's going to make the playoffs out of the NFC East, it's really going to come down to who can win the games in in the division. Like, who can win the games between the division teams? Because I personally don't think that these NFC East teams are going to be able to beat teams like the Packers or the Cardinals or the Seahawks. Like, they're just not going to do it. And if they do, it would be like, like the Monday night game where the Giants almost beat the Buccaneers, it's, it's going to be almost a miracle. But, yeah, I just think it's going to come down to, like, the games like the Eagles-Giants, uh, Eagles-Cowboys and stuff like that. So That makes me very intrigued to see at the end of the season what is the division's overall record against the rest of uh, their uh, out-of-division opponents. I would love to see the statistics on that. All right. To some more uh, – bewildering football news uh chicago bears uh currently sit at five and three after uh losing uh this past week and uh early on they looked good on paper in the season when you saw the record was at five and one but with uh two straight losses in the last couple weeks uh things aren't looking great in the windy city it is you're absolutely correct and bewildering I can't wrap my head around Chicago football right now. Like it is, it is legitimately difficult to figure out how in the hell this team is five and three right now or five and four. It could just as easily be two and six. If you it think could about just it. as easily be two and six. Part of it is Mitch Trubisky got them a huge comeback in week one. Part of it is uh, Atlanta just being <laughs> Atlanta. Yeah. Um, Part of it is kind of going back to what the, we talked about with the Giants Bucks game is the Bucks kind of playing down to the competition sometimes, um, which I guess isn't a totally new thing for Tom Brady. He's had games like that in the in the regular season when he was with the Patriots. He gets his best stuff and typically later in the season. So I guess it's not shocking. But against the Saints, they still they look terrible. And I say they look terrible, but they have their best rushing game I think I've seen since David Montgomery joined the team. And they go to overtime somehow. And I used to love the Bears, not just because 
uh, they were a Chicago team, but they were like the team that was like, we're going to beat you with our defense. Now I hate it because like this offense, like it used to be that the Bears defense was going to be what won them games. I don't think that's what it is now, but it's now in the spot where it's like this defense refuses to let this offense die on it. <laughs> like, like it keeps them in games that they have no business being kept in. And I still think it is totally in the realm of possibility that the bears can get in a seven uh, team playoff, uh, let alone an 18 playoff that the NFL potentially might go with. Yeah. Um, I don't the, the one thing is they're going to definitely have to secure a wild card spot. I, the Packers have been so good this year on the offensive side of the ball that even though their defense isn't there, they can put up numbers to where um, it, it can be hard for opponents to catch up, which that's what's been winning them games. That is why they're at the top of the division and likely will remain at the top of the division after this week because I don't see the Bears being the Titans. Uh, I don't see the Vikings catching up. Could catch up to the Bears, but uh, definitely won't to um, um, the Packers. And uh, Lions, they're kind of in the middle of the pack right now in the division. Isn't that right? Yeah, the Vikings are a weird team. The Lions, I think, coming into the year were a team everyone looked up and said, hey, this could be a really, you know, this could be a really competitive team. And so far this season, there's been nothing really to show for it. And now they have... Uh, Matthew Stafford uh, on the COVID list. That hurts him. I'm looking at the Bears' schedule now. There's only like one or two games that I can say, yeah, they're definitely going to win them. Uh, they have the Jaguars' second to last game of the season, and they have another game with the Lions coming up to start December. Everything else, I'm like, it's going to be a toss-up, basically. They have Houston, which they might win. The Vikings with Dalvin Cook look good, but it's a hit or miss there. And we say that, hey, we don't like their chances against the Titans, but A, the Titans are on a two-game skid uh, where Ryan Tannehill hasn't looked as good as he should be or has been uh, so far this season, uh, where they have a, a defense that has struggled to get to the quarterback against both the Steelers and uh, the Bengals. And there's a Bears team that somehow in those situations always ends up getting, you know, lucky and and getting sort of second chances where they shouldn't be getting any. You know, if Tom Brady knows what down it is against Tampa Bay, they maybe don't win that game. But he forgot what down it was and and they get that win. If Atlanta is in Atlanta, they might not win that game. If, uh, you know, the guy from the Lions doesn't catch that pass, at the end of the game, they don't win that game. So I think it's going to come down to the end of the season where we're going to be saying, you know, we have a better record than we should in terms of, of where we could be at. Um, in terms of what the problems are in Chicago, I mean, I'd be curious because I think there's no one right answer. From watching the Saints game, it looks like the offensive line. I mean, Nick Foles doesn't have any time. And I don't think Mitch Trubisky would be much better off. Uh, what do you guys think the off the problem is with the Bears? Um, honestly, I think it's I think it's a little bit of the quarterback. Um, I know Nick Foles 
Um, everybody was excited when when he came into the game for Mitchell Trubisky. Um, I was excited to see what he could do um, because it always seems like he does a good job as the backup quarterback because he literally led the Eagles to the Super Bowl. And um, But so far, I just really haven't been that impressed with him. Um, I mean, he led the, the Bears to some big wins so far, but um, sometimes he does force the ball down the field. And one thing that I noticed is that uh, when he does force the ball, um, it's either intercepted or it's dropped Well, when it should have been intercepted. And I think I was a little surprised that the Bears um, actually um, made the Saints game go into overtime. Um, I was not really expecting the Bears to do that well against them, but they did. So they definitely impressed me on that um, in that game. But I just – I'm looking here at the Rams game. I mean, the Rams absolutely cooked the Bears in that game um, when the Bears were a little bit the favorites because of their record. Um, but I just think um, in that game against the Rams, the Bears' uh, passing defense looked a little bad. I mean, it wasn't that bad, but it just uh, – Jared Goff was just finding those little areas where the receivers were wide open and just using that to his advantage. And um, just looking at just what, like, I don't know, the Bears, I could see them getting in the playoffs, but I really don't know at this point. Like, there's so many chances that the Bears had to lose. Like, um, if, if the Lions didn't drop that pass in the end zone, like the Giants almost beat them without Saquon um, for the majority of the game. Uh, they had to come back against the Falcons. They barely beat the Buccaneers. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Um, the Bears looked good at the beginning of the season. I was excited for them, but uh, these last two games against the Rams and the Saints and even against the Buccaneers and the Colts, they were, uh, they were a little bit of reality checks. Um, just kind of like made, made me look like and see, wait, we, we did have to make comebacks a lot. We did play teams that didn't have the best records. Um, so are we going to be able to beat these other teams and make it to the playoffs? So. I don't know what the big issue is right now. I think it's a little bit Matt Nagy's play calling. Um, I mean, like like it was last season too. But, um, I mean, I can still see the Bears making it to the seventh seed, but will they be able to be a team like the Seahawks or the Packers or the Buccaneers? Who knows? I mean, it's the playoffs, but I, I don't see it happening. So, Yeah, with the Bears um... – this season has brought a lot of my concerns that I had uh, after last season. Uh, I'm starting to like face some realities. Uh, coming into the season, the Chicago Bears made it really clear that Mitch Tra- Mitchell Trubisky really doesn't have a future in Chicago, or at least a future as QB1. Um, as obviously, they didn't uh, pick up his, was it his fourth-year option uh, for next season. Uh then also when they go out and they make that big trade for Nick Foles and Foles comes in and he plays well at times, but like you said, he's forcing the ball down the field and he he's made it clear that I don't think he's a legitimate option as a QB one for the bears future, which takes me back to the kind of depressing feeling that again, the Chicago bears have messed it up to where we don't have a quarterback that could be with our franchise for five, 10, 15 years. 
uh, like so many other franchises that have remained successful in the last 20 have found. You look at the Patriots with Tom Brady, the Steelers with Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, the Cowboys were never really able to get over the hump, but Tony Romo was stellar for them for the time he was there in Dallas. I mean, uh, Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. Like, these teams, the successful franchises in the NFL have figured it out at quarterback. Patrick Mahomes is going to be with the Chiefs for over a decade. Lamar Jackson probably will be too, and Lamar Jackson will probably be able to take Baltimore to a Super Bowl or two. I'm sure the Chiefs will be back in Super Bowls. You know why? Because they figured it out at QB1, and I'm just not confident that the Bears will be able to find that kind of consistency at that position anytime soon. The Chiefs had a, a QB1, but they and they also had the pieces to build around it. Like with this defense, if if the Bears have a player who's an echelon or two above Mitch Trubisky, they're a, a Super Bowl contender. But without that, and with Matt Nagy not really wanting to adjust his uh, offense to either Trubisky or to Foles, um, you know they're going to be stuck in in their ways. Sort of. I don't know if Matt Nagy. If the Bears don't make the playoffs, I don't think Matt Nagy sticks around for another year because of just how be how just because of just how bad the play calling has been because of just how much I think the trust has been shaken up with that team uh, after having Mitch's back for so long and then dumping him and then potentially I think in the coming weeks they might have to put Mitch back because Foles is immobile for one and. Uh, his play in the pocket hasn't been much better than Trubisky's, but at least Trubisky can flush out and run. Uh, Troy Aikman, I know he took a lot of flack from the Saints broadcast, but he pointed out correctly, there are a lot of chances Foles could have had to to run for first downs, and he he didn't because he's not mobile enough to. Um, So I think in general, the, the second half of the year, Bears really have to really step up their the coaches have to step up and I think a, a lot of the offensive players uh, have to as well because they're leaving their defense out to dry all right so let's move on to uh, less depressing sports and uh, something a little more intriguing so uh, the 76ers have gone through some major changes this offseason it started by firing Brett Brown after an embarrassing exit from the playoffs after getting swept by the eventual Eastern Conference champion Miami Heat uh, in four games. I will note that was without Ben Simmons, but I definitely think Embiid and the Sixers should have at least had a game or two in there. Um, Brett Brown still likely would have been fired because he's been kind of in part of the reason why people believe the Sixers and their players haven't been able to grow beyond where they're at. But uh, just recently, this past week, they added former Houston Rockets GM Daryl Morey. And then we've heard some uh, rumblings that uh, Morey may want to bring his former star shooting guard uh, with him to Philly. What are your guys' thoughts on that? I mean, Daryl Morey, when when he was there with the Rockets, how many, you know, finals appearances did they make? How many titles did they win? with James Harden as their centerpiece. I think zero. I think it's zero as well. So, like, it's, it's, I'm not saying that having James Harden on your team means that you're not going to win a championship. 
it's a matter of if you get James Harden, what are you going to do with it? You know, are they going to make, you know, the, the Philadelphia Rockets basically of the past few years, if they get James Harden and they're going to say, Hey, uh, Drell Embiid, Ben Simmons, you got to fit in this box now. Yeah. Um, I'm just looking at, uh, well, I, I don't know, just hearing about the Sixers trying to go for James Harden, it really doesn't – like, I don't think Harden's going to be a big help. Um, like, we know what Harden did on the Rockets, didn't play much defense, shot the ball, scored a lot of points. But the one thing that stood out, like I said, didn't play a lot of defense. And, um, yeah, I don't remember the 76ers – playing very good defense against the Celtics in that first round series in the NBA playoffs. Um, I know some of the games were close, but uh, I remember the Celtics got some really easy buckets against the Sixers and yeah, Ben Simmons was out, but um, I think the scoring is there for the Sixers. Like they could score it really well, but can they play defense? And if Harden goes to the, to the 76ers, yes, he will help them score. But will they be able to play defense against good teams, or is it just going to be like the Rockets, where they have a good, um, they have a good uh, roster and good scoring, but they always lose in the first round? Yeah, and I just want to mention that uh, I got uh, my facts mixed up. They faced the Celtics in that first round, not the Miami Heat. <laughs> um, me personally. With the way the Sixers are, they definitely need to make a change. I don't know if whether Doc Rivers coming in will fix the Ben Simmons and uh, Joel Embiid issue because uh, the pair can't really coexist the way uh, Ben Simmons' shooting ability currently stands because he kind of clogs the paint for uh, Joel Embiid to where Joel Embiid's effectiveness is limited and he's forced to play outside the perimeter, which as we saw with the Brett Brown offense – uh, Embiid struggled at times because that's just not his style of game. Um, Harden coming to Philadelphia, whether somehow they could figure out a way to maybe move Al Horford and somehow keep both Simmons and Embiid together with Harden uh, seems kind of like a long shot. I imagine the Rockets would probably want Simmons. Uh, I just, I don't know. I don't think he'd move the needle enough. Definitely in the East, he he could push that team over the hump uh, in the Eastern Conference Finals. I just I can't see a legitimate shot at uh, taking down a Western Conference team for the NBA championship. Harden's just always struggled in the playoffs, um, especially when the uh, it comes to big moments. Yeah, I. Yeah, I just wanted to say one more thing. Um, you know, I I think that the 76ers, just now thinking about the roster, um, I think they would be able to actually um, make it to the to, to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, I think they'd be able to beat the Bucks because we saw what the Heat did to them, just contain Giannis and and they win. Um, and then with against the Heat. Um, I think they'd be able to beat them. But against a team like the Warriors or the Lakers or the Clippers, probably not. And like you said, I think that they would lose in the NBA Finals, and I think that they would lose pretty 
pretty handedly, probably in like five or four. So, yeah. I mean, I guess if they want to go to an NBA Finals, then get Harden. But if they want to win it, is Harden the best choice? Ultimately, maybe it makes them a favorite, but it all comes down to does your team have LeBron James on it? And unless they get James or unless they get LeBron James, the answer is no. All right. Last little bit of uh, NBA news. Uh, Last, uh, I'm sorry, last night, the NBA Board of Governors and the Players Association voted to approve the December 26th, or I'm sorry, December 22nd restart, which will see the NBA come back after a very brief offseason. We haven't even reached the draft yet, and it's almost the end of the first week of November. Uh, What are your guys' thoughts on the restart? I thought uh, a Christmas restart, because it's probably beyond opening night, uh, the biggest night for the NBA in terms of their regular season nights. It was a good idea from the start. I remember a few years ago when the lockout was happening, they started on Christmas and uh, it worked out pretty well. We saw Derrick Rose versus the Lakers uh, opening day and it was a really exciting thing because you didn't have expectations for either teams. Uh, really, to that point, you hadn't seen a lot of them uh, or or knew where they'd stand. So I think in terms of uh, a Christmas start, it's good. 72 games still feels like a lot um, in terms of getting them in a season that I'm assuming they still want to have the finals come in June. Uh, and I know it's a complicated thing uh, beyond the scope of just having the games, but it, it it goes into a matter of the NBA was going to lose a lot of money if they didn't. And I know some players probably don't like the idea of having their season end in October and start up again two months later, but uh, that's why we, <laughs> we have load management now in the game that we have in, in 2020. That's why we have a lot of guys sitting out games and maybe the NBA does something about that in the coming year to say, Hey, we'll, we'll expand rosters or something like that. But, uh, we'll have to see. I think, though, the start by Christmas thing or start around Christmas thing, it, it was probably the idea they had from the start. And uh, the NBA being able to pull a lot of stuff out, it's uh, not shocking that they were able to get it. All right, Kyle, what are your thoughts on that? I think it's a good idea. Um, I mean, the season ended in uh, early October, and I think that's about two and a half close to three months of off season. The, the off season originally is four months. So it's only a month difference. And like James said, load management, um, a lot of superstars do it. I think that they, I think that they could do it this year. Um, I think 72 games and however many months, two months after October, that would be a lot to fit in. But um, Christmas day basketball is back and I didn't, I didn't think that we would get it, so I'm pretty excited about that. And I know that that's some of the only sports on Chris, on Christmas Day, so the ratings, or that's going to help the ratings out pretty pretty good. So I, I think it's a good idea. All right, with our final four minutes, we're going to discuss uh, what's going on in Boston. Uh, I don't know if you guys have heard, but the Red Sox rehired Alex Cora, who was fired uh, almost a year ago for the revelation of the sign stealing in the 2017 World Series when he he was a bench coach with the Houston Astros. And there was rumors uh, going on and the MLB was exploring into him possibly doing the same thing while with the Red Sox in 2018. 
Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on him getting rehired by the Red Sox? Do you think it was essentially at the end of the day a slap on the wrist for him and not enough was done if the Red Sox just come back a year later and rehire him? Um, I, go ahead, Kyle. Sorry. Okay, sorry. Um, you know, I think the MLB, this is another wake-up. I, I think this should be another wake-up call for them. Um, they hired him pretty quickly after he was fired again. And the MLB did the same thing to the Astros. They didn't take away their, their World Series in 2017, even though it should be taken away because the Astros won two games at home. And game five was arguably one of the most important games of the series. And the Dodgers still took it to extra innings, which is pretty impressive. But I think that if they're going to rehire him, which obviously they will, um, I think that they should definitely uh, keep an eye on him very closely. And um, I think if fans do come back for next season, which who knows, they might have limited fans. But if they do come back, uh, just like the Astros are going to get it, uh, he is going to get a lot of boos, a lot of uh, a lot of players hit by pitches, and I think the Dodgers will probably be mad at him because they probably think that they were cheated. So, yeah, but I think that it's just another thing that MLB has done to make it seem like their uh, their disciplinary actions are not enough to cheating teams. So. I think we can look at and point at the MLB for not doing enough, but they did what they did. And then baseball fully took these guys back and embraced them. You know, Alex Cora, he got suspended for a year, if I'm not mistaken by the MLB Red Sox, let him go. As soon as the suspension is up, they hired him again. So we can point at Rob Manford all we want and say, Hey man, this punishment isn't severe enough. But if baseball itself is going to turn around and say, well, let, welcome this guy back. You know, it's not just a a MLB uh, power issue. It's a baseball collective issue to figure out what are we going to do about all these guys who were involved in the scandal. And if the Red Sox are the sort of baseline for it, then I don't know how we can complain about Rob Manford and other people in the future. All right. Well, that is this week's episode of The Headliners. Thank you all for listening. I'd like to thank James and Kyle for joining me this week. You can find our podcast on Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Thank you, guys, and I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to The Headliners Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to us on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Make sure to check us out at the Northern Stars website, northernstar.info, under the multimedia section for all our podcasts and the sports section for all our articles and columns.